Are you ready to perform at your highest potential? Welcome to the Performance Matters Podcast from GP Strategies. In each episode, we'll interview industry experts, exploring best practices and innovative insights to help you and your organization improve performance. Hello and welcome to the podcast. My guest today is Bonnie Beresford, Director of Performance and Learning Analytics at GP Strategies. Bonnie, welcome to the podcast. Jeremy, thrilled to be here and talk about one of my favorite subjects, measurement. Awesome. Well, I should say welcome back to the podcast because you were on back in 2019 and we talked about measuring the impact of learning. And in this episode, we're going to revisit that topic to see how things have changed over the past few years. Now, in a presentation that you shared with me, you state that 96% of learning leaders want to measure the business impact of learning, that only 16% feel that they're able to do that effectively. Now, back in 2019, we talked about how measuring the impact of learning depends a lot on aligning learning programs with a company's business goals. And I imagine that's still the case, but what, if anything, has changed along those lines over the past couple of years? Sadly, the statistics are, are somewhat similar now as they were a few years ago, where the desire to measure business impact is high and the ability to do so is is pretty low. And what I'm hearing is it's really more of a rallying cry now. It's more urgent. With the advent of big data, learning leaders are, I think, starting to feel some pressure to play in that game with the big data, and they don't really know how. There is the demand now for the know-how to build that skill set amongst their own teams and they're still, they're still really out there looking for help in how to do it. The heart is there, but the, but the will, the ability to do it, the, the know-how to do it is still lacking. And that's where I kind of get jazzed is, is helping people figure out the how. Okay, awesome. So, and one of the tools that you use to help folks figure out the how is uh, a measurement map. So explain what a measurement map is and give us an example of how it works. The measurement map actually is going to tell us the what to measure. It is a visual tool. Think of it kind of like a flowchart that connects your learning investment to a business's strategic goals. Organizations are investing hundreds of millions of dollars in employee development, and they're expecting something in return. And it's 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 been the challenge to show that connection. The measurement map takes the goals and and connects the dots. So you have this visual alignment. And uh, well, Jeremy, it's really easier probably to give you an example. So let's, let's presume that, let's say you're a restaurateur and you of course want to own and run a profitable restaurant, a challenge for many restaurants, but how can we be more profitable? If we ask that restaurateur, how could your front of staff, your front of house team, your, your wait staff, really contribute to that. Because maybe the restaurateur wants to wants to train his people to help with the product or the profitability. So to, the restaurateur would say, well, if, if my wait staff could increase the average check for each table, that would be great. If I could sell more per table, that would really help the profitability. You know what else? If, they, if, if I stopped seeing meals going back to the kitchen because somebody got it wrong 
or they served the wrong meal to somebody and that has to go back. All that wasted food is costing me money. So if I could reduce the cost of wasted food and get the average check amount up, boy, that would be great. And then we'd ask, well, what is it exactly that you would think your front of house staff would be able to do? And the restaurateur could possibly say, we have a fine dessert menu and we have a fine wine list. And if only my wait staff understood our desserts and how to sell them, and if they knew how to pair the wines with the dinners and, and ensure that people were, were partaking of these higher end items on our menu, that would really increase the amount of check per table. And if we also were very diligent about recording orders correctly and who ordered what, and if somebody was gluten-free to make sure that you remember that and let the kitchen know, then we would reduce that number of meals sent back. And now, as a learning person, I know what I need to put in my training. So if I know that it's, it's all about restaurant, it's all about uh, wine and dessert, I can really focus my training on that. And so if we start seeing the number of desserts ordered going up, we can show that the training worked. And we know that if the number of desserts goes up, the average check per table is going to go up and it's going to increase the profitability of the restaurant. So what we're doing really is building a causal chain of evidence between what the business problem is we're trying to solve and getting it right back down to the learning solution we're going to develop and identifying what those behaviors are in measurable terms. That's what we call a measurement map. It tells us what to measure. Okay, really interesting. And that suggests to me that it's addressing a common challenge in developing learning programs in just, it can be hard to know where to focus the learning. And 2020 hindsight, it might seem obvious, like, of course, we want to train them on how to, how to, how to record orders accurately. But I guess it's easy to, for that kind of thing, that kind of detail to get lost in the shuffle if you're not plotting it out very carefully. Correct, because if, if I were in the learning organization and the restaurateur said, I want to increase profitability and I want my wait staff to help, I might not know if it's because they're giving too many ketchup packets mm. or too many napkins. I, don't, I won't know where the profitability problem is until I have these intentional discussions with the stakeholder. Okay. Great. You also shared with me an article that you wrote for the website Chief Learning Officer, where you talk about 20 things that you've learned from your 20 years in learning measurement. And one that really struck out for me was, quote, measure to prove, measure to improve. And in fact, you describe this as sort of like your personal mantra. So what does that mean? Well, thanks for asking that. And thanks for outing my 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> We're celebrating it. Oh, okay. We'll celebrate. Great. Yeah. So this, this concept of measure to prove, measure to improve comes from the original request of many learning organizations to justify their budget. They want to use measurement to justify their budget because they don't want their budget to get cut. So they're seeking to prove. They want to prove that their learning worked and developed positive results. And that's okay. But the real richness of measurement is when you use it to improve. For example, let, let's say that you found that a, a program worked really well, and let's say it was you were just selling something and the people went through the training, sold 10 more widgets after training. What if you were to segment that data and found out that 
your new hires actually improved their sales by 20 units and your veterans only improved by two units or zero. Who would you train? Might you be wasting the time of your veteran people because they didn't gain anything from the training? You should focus it on the newer people. I've actually seen an example where this, this, this kind of slicing of the data panned out in a sales situation where we segmented the data based on your prior performance. So how many widgets did you sell before training and how many are you selling after? But it was based on your before. So we had the high average and low performers. We binned them into three groups and found that the high performers actually lost a little bit of ground the month of training because they were out of they they were off the job selling they weren't selling they were in training all the gains came from the average performers not very much gain from the lower performers so this tells an organization if that is the particular program you want to run make sure that you target your audience for that group that's going to benefit the most let your high performers keep selling they're not going to need this Bring in as many average performers as you can because they are going to benefit. So that's what I mean by using it to prove, yes, the program worked. We sold more at the end of the day, but improving by slicing the data and finding those pockets where it's working the best so you can optimize the deployment of your training. Okay, that's a great example. And that's not possible to do, right, unless you have that data and you're willing to really dig into it. Right. It is all about the data. I mean, I shouldn't say all about the data, but you need access to the data and you need access to the business data. You can't get there with learning data alone. And that's why going back to the measurement map, it's so wonderful to build a map with your business partner. When they are building it with you, A, they know what's on their scorecard. They know what's important. They believe the causal chain of evidence that you are creating. So now when your learning delivers on it, they're going to give you credit for it. And see, they have access to the data you need. Got it. Now, one of the biggest challenges resulting from the COVID pandemic, as we all know, is that going forward, many more people are going to be working remotely. So how do you think this might affect how learning leaders measure the impact of l and I'm getting a lot of questions about that. In fact, I'm getting questions of, well, does virtual training work better than in-person training? Hmm. And my first question back to them is, did you ever measure the impact of your in-person training? (laughs) So that's a, a bit of a rhetorical question because typically they have not. But that aside, people working virtually really adds another variable to our analysis. Where are you working and, and, and can we slice it by people who are working virtually or people who are working on site? But more importantly, it's really pushing the discussion of how we define performance. This is one of the conundrums in measurement. Everybody says they want their training to improve performance. Often, they cannot articulate what improved performance means. It's obvious in sales, you want somebody to sell more widgets. But let's say you're in engineering, or let's say you're working in a, uh, various jobs, you, you, you have a hard time defining what performance is. Again, going back to the measurement map, it pushes that discussion to say, what does performance look like? And when you can articulate what performance looks like, then it, great if you're working virtually, 
it, it because we're no longer in the in the world where you can walk around and see people working and say, oh, Bonnie's diligently at her desk. She must be a high performer, not knowing what I'm doing. We shifted from what I can see to what you're actually producing. So I think this the 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 shift to virtual is really going to force that conversation more to defining what performance really looks like. And that's good for somebody in measurement like me. And it's actually going to be good for the business because it gets us focusing on our performance and our outputs and our outcomes. Mm-hmm. And of course, that was important before COVID, right? Before people were working remotely. And it sounds like it's even more important now. It absolutely was important before. And, and yeah, now, because out of sight, I think we still have some managers and organizations that might be, well, out of sight, do I really know they're producing? Mm. And that that just says maybe we really need to figure out what performance looks like. If we're going to have more flexible work hours and does it really matter if you're there eight hours or 12 hours if you have produced what you need to produce? So it shifts it from hours to actually outputs, which is really what we want from our workforce. Right. Absolutely. Okay, Bonnie, so we've covered a lot of ground here. Let's sum it up a little bit. What's the main takeaway that you want listeners to get from this discussion? Probably uh, you say one main thing. I'm going to say two. One is don't be scared of measurement. And that's linked to the second one, which is get started. And when I mean get started, I mean get started by getting outside your learning data and pulling in the business data. The sooner learning people can become comfortable with business data and connecting business data to the wonderful uh, learning solutions we're creating, the better. So get comfortable with business data, get outside of the learning data and get started and try it. Excellent advice as always. Well, Bonnie, thank you so much for a great discussion. Oh, it's my pleasure. I always have fun chatting with you. And to all our listeners, as always, thanks for tuning in. The Performance Matters Podcast is brought to you by GP Strategies. Together, we can create a world where business excellence makes possibilities achievable. You can subscribe to the show anywhere you get podcasts and listen on our website at gpstrategies.com slash podcasts.